It's great to have you with us this morning. If you're wondering why the flags are up, they are pretty, so that's part of it. But also, this is the beginning of our annual missions conference here at Grace this week and and next week. So I'm going to kick us off, and then next Sunday, Chris McGuffey, who leads our local and global outreach ministry, will be here to walk us through opportunities that God has given us as a church and as individuals to take the good news of of Jesus to our community and to the world at large. Now, our our purpose, our our hope for this week of talking about missions here at Grace, our, our purpose is to help every one of us, myself included, to find a way to get involved in the mission or the goal that God has given Grace Bible Church. So here's, here's what it is. This is what Grace Bible Church is all about. He has called us as a church and, and as individuals in this church body to engage every single person on our campus, in our community, and in our world with God's transforming grace. That's what we're about. We want to reach everyone without exception with the good news of God's grace that comes through Jesus Christ. And what we have found is that nine times out of ten, the the way that you engage someone with God's grace, the way you introduce someone to Jesus Christ, is you enter into their life at at a point and a place of need. You come into their lives and you help meet some practical need that they have, whether that's a financial or emotional or relational need. You, you come meet that need and that gives you an opportunity to share the gospel because I'm sure you've seen this. People typically don't care to hear what you have to say until they know that you care about them. So until they see practically that you care about their needs, about their lives, they're not gonna listen to what you have to say about Jesus. And so what we do as a church is we're constantly looking for needs that we can help meet so that we can enter into people's lives and help meet their needs so that they'll be willing to listen when we want to talk about Jesus. So this week I spent time thinking about what are the barriers that keep us as a church and as individuals from reaching out and meeting the needs of people in our community and in our world. I think there's maybe a number of barriers, but there's one that really stands out to me. I think the the biggest barrier that keeps us as followers of Christ from reaching out to the community and to the world at large to meet their needs is that today we live in a world that is just so incredibly full of needs. There are so many problems in this world. Just overwhelmed by the number of problems. If you want proof, just turn on CNN and leave it on for a week. Watch CNN for, I don't know if you can take it that long, but turn it on and and watch it and you will see a new crisis every day. Every single day will be an economic crisis and the Flight 370 crisis and the climate change crisis and the border crisis and the ISIS crisis, now the Ebola crisis. There's a new crisis every day in the world that we live in. Constantly, 24-7, we are bombarded by bad news on TV, on Facebook, on Twitter. Everywhere we look, things are going badly. And so we have this unending stream of bad news, and I found that there's really two ways that people tend to respond to that unending feed of bad news. Some people tend to tune it all out. Guys, we are particularly susceptible to this one. We look at the world, and all we see is bad news. All we see is huge problems like Ebola and terrorism that we can do nothing about. We can't fix any of those problems, so we just tune them all out. We don't think at all about the problems of the world. We'd far rather think about football and hunting and cars and our hobbies. We fill our lives with distractions that help us tune out the problems of the world we live in. This is my tendency. 
Honestly, there's a lot of days when I would really be a, rather be alone in my garage changing the oil in my car because I know how to do that. I can't fix these huge problems in the world. I really don't want to hear about another problem that someone is having because I can't do anything about it, but I can change my oil. And so for a lot of us, we simply want to tune out all the problems of the world because they're too big for us. They just overwhelm us. For others, they, they do the opposite thing. Rather than tune out all the problems in the world, they, they take them all in. So this is a person that is constantly checking the news. They're, they're reading all of those alarmist articles on, on the internet about all the things that we're doing wrong as a country and as parents and, and with our diet and how the French are better than us in every way. And they're taking in all of this bad news all of the time and they're just internalizing it. So it's a new crisis every week in their life. It was ISIS last week. It's Ebola this week. They take in all of that bad news. They internalize it. They own it until it turns into a constant state of worry and anxiety and fear in their lives. So they can't experience peace and joy any longer because they're just overwhelmed with the problems in this world. They just take them all in. So some people tune out all the problems in the world. Some people take them all in. Both responses are are unhealthy. God doesn't want you to do either of these. God does not want you to tune out all the problems in the world, but he also doesn't want you to take them all in. Either way is bad for you. God calls you to to a middle path between those two extremes. God wants to to reveal to you a middle way that is far more healthy, is far more productive, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. This morning, I want us to think about how do we wisely and productively engage in the needs of this broken world we live in? How do we wisely meet the needs of the world? Not tuning them all out, not taking them all in, but walking in wisdom and truth to meet the needs that God brings our way. So that's what we're going to look at this morning, and I'm going to start by giving you two principles from Jesus that that helps us to find that middle road between those two extremes. And then I'm going to give you four practical steps that will help you to wisely and productively engage in the needs of this world that you live in. So let's start with two principles from Jesus that help us to to walk this, this middle road. Two guiding principles from Jesus. The first is that we can't meet the needs of this world. It's the first thing that Jesus wants you to know about yourself. You cannot meet the needs of the world you live in. You see that very clearly in Mark 14. Mark 14, Jesus' disciples get angry with him. They get angry because a woman comes to Jesus with a very expensive vial of perfume and she breaks it open and pours it on his feet as an act of worship and the disciples are, are angry about that because that perfume could have been sold and the money given to the poor. But Jesus reminds them, no, wait a minute, guys. I want to remind you, you always have the poor with you. You would have gone and sold that perfume and given the money to the poor. Well, you would still have poor people because there will always be poor people in the world you live in. Doesn't matter how much money you give to charity, you will not solve poverty. You see, Jesus was the ultimate realist. Jesus looked at the world and he saw the destructiveness of sin far better than we do. And so Jesus knew you could engineer the most perfect economic system imaginable, but in a world filled with sin, there's still going to be lots of broken and poor people because there's nothing human beings can do to fix the systemic problems our world faces. Doesn't matter how much money you give to charity, you will never fix poverty. 
You will never fix the big problems in our world. Jesus knew that and he warned us about that. Turn to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24, Jesus tells us about the direction that our world is headed. He wants us to understand that things aren't going to get better for the human race until he comes back. No matter what we do as a church, no matter what governments or the United Nations or charitable organizations do, the direction that the human race is headed is not up until Jesus comes back. Look with me in in Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 6. Jesus says, You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many because lawlessness is increased. Most people's love will grow cold. It's pretty bleak stuff, isn't it? That's the direction that our world is headed. The, the list of problems that humanity faces is not going to get shorter. It's going to get longer until Jesus Christ comes back because he's the only one who can fix what ultimately ails the human race. He's the only one who can bring an end to sin and evil and cure these these huge problems that are beyond our grasp. So the reason that Jesus is telling us this, what he wants us to understand is that because we can't fix these problems, we are not responsible to take in and own all of the world's problems. God does not want you to worry or be anxious about the problems that our world faces. He doesn't want you to to worry about poor people in general because there will always be poor people and if you're always worrying about poor people then you will always be consumed with worry. He does not want you to worry about these huge problems that our world faces because you cannot solve them. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus can. God doesn't want us to take in and internalize all of the problems of the world because we can't fix them. Absolutely can't fix them. Only Jesus can. So that's the first principle. We can't meet the needs of the world so we don't need to own them. We don't need to take them in. We don't need to worry about all the things that our world is facing. It's the first principle. It's balanced by the second. Second principle Jesus gives us. We can't meet the needs of the world, but we must meet the needs in front of us. We must meet the needs that God brings in front of us. Turn to Luke chapter 10. Let's look at a story that many of you are familiar with, the story of the Good Samaritan. As we read it, I want you to read it with with new eyes, with new understanding as as you think about this particular question that we're talking about. And so as, as we look at the story of the Good Samaritan, I want you to ask yourself, what am I learning about how to wisely and productively engage in the needs of the world, knowing that I can't fix the world. I can't fix these broader problems. So what is my responsibility to the needs of the world? Look with me, Luke chapter 10, let's start in verse 30. Jesus replied and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. 
But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him and when he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them and he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. So a little background for you. This road that goes from Jerusalem to Jericho, it's incredibly dangerous back in Jesus' day. It's, it was desolate. It, it was basically like desert terrain with huge rocks. And so it was really easy for, for robbers, for thieves to hide and jump out and, and assault or mug people. And that happened all the time. Actually, lots of people killed on this road back in Jesus' day. And so picture the priest and the Levite, they're walking down the road and they come upon yet another guy who's been mugged and and left for dead. Yet another guy. Man, this is happening all the time. No one is fixing the problem of violence, the problem of of theft. So, So this priest and this Levite, they know if they help this one guy, there'll just be another guy in that same spot tomorrow. Because they can't fix the broader problem. And so they look at this guy and they know they can't fix the broader problem. And they're busy people. They've got to serve the Lord. And so what do both men choose to do? They tune the guy out. They make that first mistake. I can't fix the broader problem, so I'm going to tune out the problem in front of me. It's a good excuse, but God doesn't accept it. Jesus is clear. Both the priest and the Levite fail to be a good neighbor. Both of them fail to, to take care of this need that God has brought in front of them and, and God will not accept any excuses for that. They're responsible to take care of the need in front of them. That's what the Good Samaritan does. The Good Samaritan comes upon this man and the Good Samaritan, he's a traveler, he knows that this is a violent road. He knows that he cannot fix the broader problem of violence in Jesus' society. He cannot do anything about that. And if he helps this guy, yeah, there probably will be another guy laying on the ground tomorrow, but he doesn't care because God has put a specific need in front of him. And so he sacrifices much to care for that man. Can't fix the broader problem, but I can fix this problem. And so I must. That's the balancing principle. You can't fix all the broader problems of the world around you, but you can and must help fix the problems God puts in front of you. You are responsible to do that. What we learn from the Good Samaritan is that the first principle, the fact that we can't meet the needs of the world, does not absolve us of responsibility to take care of the needs that God brings to us. We must sacrifice much to take care of the needs God brings our way. We are responsible for the needs that God puts in front of us. So we need to seek out and care for those that God brings our way. You you actually, you see both of these principles perfectly balanced in, in a verse from the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 15 verse 11. For there will never cease to be poor in the land There's the first principle. You're never going to get rid of poverty, but therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. You can't fix the bigger problem of poverty, but you can help the guy in your midst who needs help. You can take care of the poor man in your presence. You can seek him out and help meet his needs. See, both principles perfectly balanced. We cannot fix the problems of this world, but we must fix the problems that God puts in front of us. So both principles perfectly balanced. Now let's talk about practically. How do we live out this middle road that Jesus has has laid out for us? 
Letting go of the problems of the broader world but engaging deeply in the problems that he puts in front of us. Four practical steps that I would give you as you think about how to engage wisely and and productively in the needs of the world in front of you. First practical step, you need to be a person who is willing to listen. It's the first step. You gotta be willing to listen when needs come your way. If you look at Jesus, you realize pretty quickly, the guy was always willing to listen. Even when he was busy, which was like all the time, he was always willing to listen when somebody brought him a need. Let me show you that. I'm going to share with you one of my very least favorite verses in the whole Bible. One of my least favorite passages. I really don't like this passage because it's very, very convicting to me. It's very painful for me to read it. I need it because I need to learn from it, but it's kind of like getting a shot. You know you need it, but you hate getting it because it really hurts going down. And, and that's this verse for me, Matthew 14, verses 13 and 14. Now, when Jesus heard about John, that's John the Baptist, that he had just been executed by Herod, he withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place by himself. And when the people heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. Okay, so picture, here's Jesus. He's been doing nonstop ministry 24-7 for months, and then he's just found out that his really good friend and predecessor, John the Baptist, was just executed. So he totally deserves some alone time to get away and grieve for his friend who's just been put to death. So Jesus gets away, he gets some much-needed alone time, and then all of a sudden needs start showing up. People come to him, not by the tens, not by the hundreds, probably by the thousands seeking his help for some need in their life. And I'm just amazed to see that Jesus doesn't say no. He doesn't turn them away. He doesn't run away and hide. He opens himself up. He is willing to listen to their needs. It's incredibly convicting to me. So it forces me to ask myself, am I willing to listen and care about the needs of other people? And to ask yourself that. Are you willing to to listen and care when people come to you in need? If you struggle with that, that, that's okay. You need to be honest about that. You need to go before the Lord and be honest about that. You may be like me. This is my tendency. You may want to fill your life with distractions and entertainment and hobbies so that you can press out all of those incredible needs in the world. You just need to be honest and go before the Lord and say, God, please soften my heart to the needs of other people. That's what I pray. When I find myself just really wanting to be alone in the garage, not talking to anyone else, I pray, God, please make me a better man than I am. Make me a man who is willing to listen and care about the needs of other people. And God shows up. He'll soften your heart. He will grow you and make you a better man or a better woman than you really are so that you can be willing to listen and care about the needs of others. That's the first question you ask yourself. Are you willing to listen and care to the needs of others? But then there's a second question that is equally important. Do other people know that you're the kind of person who's willing to listen and care? When other people think about you, especially people who are not believers that you happen to know, do they think of you as a person who cares about them? Do they think of you as the guy or or the girl who if they have something go totally horrible in their life at 2 a.m., they're going to call you up? Do they know that you're willing to listen and care? I've spent a lot of time over the years of my life, for decades, hanging out with guys who are into cars because I also like cars. And so I've known a lot of guys along this common interest, this common hobby. And a lot of those guys would never come to church. They would really much sooner come help you change the transmission in your car than come to church on Sunday mornings. But here's what I've noticed, and it's really, it's it's fascinating, but also really sad. 
those guys will talk about cars with me for hours, but they will not ask me any questions about myself. They don't want to know about my family. They don't want to know about my past. They don't want to know about my career. They don't want to know about my hopes and dreams in life. They don't want to know me. They, they don't want to go to lunch and just hang out. They'll, they'll work on my car anytime, but they don't want to get to know me because that's how our world works, if you notice that. that. That's how the world in general works. We hold everyone else at arm's length. We don't let them get close. We don't really want to know important stuff about them. We don't want them to know important stuff about us. We'll talk about common interests, a hobby or, or a job or a class that we happen to both be in, but we won't ask them about their family, their beliefs, their hopes, their values. Because we don't really want to know each other. That's true of the world in general, but it better not be true of us as followers of Christ. We better be willing to engage deeply and authentically with people. We should be the ones who are asking others about their lives. We should be talking a lot more about them than about us. Asking about what they care about, what their story is, getting to know them, genuinely engaging in their lives so that when everything falls apart in their life, you will be the one they call. That's ultimately, that's what I'm hoping for those guys that I've known for decades that like to work on cars. I'm hoping that when their wife leaves or they lose their job or they find out they have cancer, I hope I'm the guy they call. That's what it's all about. I engage in their lives so that they will think of me as someone who actually cares about them. Are you willing to listen and care and do people know it? Are you engaging with the people in your class, at work, in your neighborhood, in a way that lets them know you genuinely care about them. That's the first practical step that we get when it comes to engaging in the needs of the world. Second practical step I give you. Let go of what you can't help fix. There are an incredible number of problems in this world, and the sad news is you can't fix most of them. You can't fix the big problems that our world faces. That's just true for all of us. So if you're not a doctor or a nurse or you don't run a hospital, you really don't need to worry about Ebola because we can't do anything about it. There's nothing we can do to solve it, so we need to let go of that worry, of that anxiety. We can pray about it, but they just let it go. And if you're not a soldier or or a diplomat, you really have no business worrying about ISIS or about terrorism because there's nothing we can do about it. So pray and then let it go. If you are not part of the solution to a problem, then you need to be willing to pray for it and then let it go. Don't worry about it. Let go of it. If you worry about all the problems that you can't fix, you will be a person consumed with worry and anxiety, and that's not what God wants. He wants you to focus on the problems that you can help fix and let everything else go. One of the best applications of that principle that I've ever seen uh, is practiced by Ben Stewart. He's the guy who leads Breakaway. Uh, Because of his position, Ben is constantly getting students coming to him who want to tell him about some new, incredibly significant need that they've been made aware of, some problem in the world that they are just absolutely passionate to fix. And they come asking him for Breakaway's help. Will Breakaway own this problem and raise money for it and raise up volunteers for it? The problem is there are literally thousands of problems that are brought to them. Breakaway could not possibly solve one-tenth of those problems. And so here's what Ben says. I love it. He looks at those students, looks them in the eye and says, that is an incredibly significant problem. 
It's an incredibly significant need and an incredible mission that God has given you in life, but he hasn't given it to break away. We need to do what God has called us to do, but you need to go do that. That's the right idea. You need to focus on what God has called you to fix, on what God has called you to own. The rest, you pray for it and you let it go. It's not yours to own. It's not yours to internalize. If you're not part of the solution, then just pray and let it go. It's the second principle that we, or second practical step that we learn from Scripture when it comes to meeting the needs of this world. Third practical step that that God gives us. You need to be willing to sacrifice much to fix what you can. So again, you look at the Good Samaritan. He comes across this man in need. He knows he can't fix the broader problem of violence, but he can't help this one guy. And so he sacrifices a ton. You may not have noticed, he sacrifices a couple denarii. Denarii was a whole day's wage. So he's sacrificing multiple days worth of salary to care for this guy. And he gives him his donkey and he takes him to an inn and he bandages his wounds. Who knows how much time he's lost in his business to take care of this man. There's a risk because the robbers could have struck at any moment. So he's risking his life. He's risking his reputation too because you know, a good Samaritan is a Samaritan. And the beaten man is a Jew. And in Jesus' days, those two groups didn't mix. They hated each other. And so this good Samaritan is potentially losing friends and business contacts over his willingness to publicly help a Jew. So you look at the good Samaritan and what stands out is that when God places a problem at his feet, he sacrifices much to meet that need. That's what God is calling us to do. When he brings a problem and places it in front of us, we are called to sacrifice much to meet that need. Sacrifice much. Liking something on Facebook doesn't count for that. Giving $5 at the checkout line at the supermarket doesn't count for that. Liking a cause, advocating for a cause while it's popular for a month on the internet doesn't count. God is calling you to give much for an extended period of time to meet the needs that he brings your way. That's going to probably involve significant financial cost. You're going to have to give not a few bucks, but have to give enough where it actually forces you to have to say no to something else you want. You've got to say no to a desire, to a possession, to, to a vacation, to some experience to meet this need. And it's going to probably involve sacrifice of time, not just a few minutes, but giving up a night, giving up a weekend, giving up vacation time to meet that need. For some of you, it's going to be an even bigger sacrifice. God is going to call you to leave your home, your neighborhood, your career, and go overseas to meet some need that he is raising up in the world that he wants you to go meet. Whatever needs God brings and places at your feet, you are responsible to sacrifice much to meet those needs. I'll give you an example. I, I, like you, have known for years that there are lots of orphans in, in the continent of Africa. Lots of orphans, so many in fact that for years I didn't do anything about that because it was just so big. What could I possibly do? I had no connection. I had nothing practically to do. So I just tuned out that problem. And then God brought to me a few friends who work to care for orphans in Africa. A couple of them work for Children's Relief International. A couple of them work for Bilimbu Mission in Swaziland. And they came to me and they brought specific needs. We need money to support the orphanage. We need money for airfare to get over to Africa. We need money for medical supplies, for a clinic in Mozambique. They bring me these practical needs. They lay them at my feet and now I am responsible. 
While it was a broader problem, what can I do? But now that there's a specific need, now I must sacrifice much. Not a few bucks one time, but for years, significant financial sacrifice to meet the needs of those orphanages because God has placed that need at my feet. When God brings you a specific need, you must sacrifice much. Time, money, reputation, whatever it takes to meet the need he places in front of you. Sacrifice much to fix what you can. Final principle or practical step I'd give you from Scripture. Above all, keep the gospel first. My son Luke went through a stage where he liked bread better than meat. A lot better. And so I'd give him a hot dog and he would take out the hot dog and eat the bun. And there's a problem with that. Uh, First of all, my son's metabolism is really high. So if all he eats is the bread, he's going to be hungry in like five minutes. And so that, that doesn't work. But more than that, I wanted Luke to understand that a hot dog without the hot dog isn't a hot dog. It's, it's just a worthless bun. It's no good for you. Well, so is charity without the gospel. It's a hot dog without the hot dog. It's pointless. Charity without the gospel makes no lasting difference in the lives of men and women. Because you look at charity without the gospel, well, all you're doing is taking care of a temporal, earthly need. You're doing nothing that has an eternal impact upon that person's life. And so medical care and education and economic relief, those are all good things, but none of them make an eternal impact. That's why my wife and I support Children's Relief International and Balimbu Mission, because they combine practical needs of these orphans, medical care and education, with the gospel. And that's what those orphans need. More than anything else, more than food, more than medical care, they need to know that there is a God who wants to be their father, who loves them so much that he sent his son to die for their sins and rise from the dead so that they could be his children forever. That's what they need. Above all else, the good news of the gospel. And so as you look for charities to be involved in, missions to be involved in, as you look for people to help, you are always looking for opportunities to push the gospel forward. So you're looking for things that that make much of Jesus Christ, that tell people, that share with people that, that Jesus died for their sins and rose from the dead so they could have eternal life as a free gift. That is the most important thing people need. Lots of things that people need, but only one absolute need. They need to have peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And so as you think about what to do with your very limited time and very limited finances, focus on those problems that give you an open door to share the gospel. That's what matters most. Above all, keep the gospel first. And so as you think about the broken world that we live in, as you think about how to engage in the needs of this world, you want to think to yourself, balance between two extremes. You want to think, I cannot fix all the problems in this world. Can't do it. Only Jesus can But I must, I must help fix the problems that God places in front of me. And so be willing to listen as needs come your way. And when a need comes that you can help solve, take ownership of it. Go deeply to meet that need. Sacrifice much time and money to meet that need. And as you do, look for opportunities to share the gospel because that's what matters most. My hope and my prayer is that some of you We'll listen to this message and you'll be willing to go big to meet the needs of the world. And for some of you, that will mean going overseas this summer or or even for a year, for longer, to, to go to places in the world that are in desperate need of the gospel and in desperate need of our help. If you are open to that possibility, you have a couple opportunities this week to find out more about going overseas this summer or for a longer period of time. The first is Wednesday night. 
And in partnership with Breakaway, we're hosting at our Anderson campus the Go Week Missions Fair. So on Wednesday night, we'd love to have everybody, adults, students, come out. Come to the Anderson campus at 6 p.m. There will be representatives from a ton of different missions organizations. Then we'll have breakaway sessions or breakout sessions rather that that help you and prepare you and give you information about going to different parts of the world to share the gospel. And then we'll end with with worship with Shane and Shane. So we'd love to have you come out on Wednesday, Anderson campus, 6 p.m. And then next Sunday, if you're a college student and you are you're even willing to talk to somebody about going overseas this summer to share the gospel, we would love to have you stay after this service next week. So at 12.30 here at Southwood, we'll have pizza for free, pizza lunch. Come out and and we'll have sessions that, that tell you more information about going overseas with us this summer. We have a lot of trips going out all over the world, doing a lot of different things to share the gospel. We would love to have you come find out more. We'd love to send you this summer to the world to take the gospel the people who haven't heard it. The Lord is calling us to engage in the needs of a broken world, not to own them all, but to sacrifice much to meet the needs that he brings our way so that we can show the world that we care about them, that we're listening, so that we can have an opportunity to share the gospel. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would give us soft hearts, that you would make us willing to listen to the needs of other people that we would genuinely care about the needs of this world, that we would genuinely weep for those who are weeping and care for those who are in need. I pray, Father, that you would help us to be wise and productive as we engage those needs. If it's needs that we can't, can't help meet, I pray that we would pray for them and then let them go and not carry worry, not carry anxiety through our lives. But if it's a need that you bring us that we can help solve, I pray, Lord, that you would make us willing to make huge sacrifices financially and of our time to meet those needs. I pray that we would be people who give generously like the Good Samaritan, who sacrifice much and risk everything to meet the needs of other people. We pray that you would use Grace Bible Church, that you would use each of us to to share the gospel with the people of this world, to to share it in action, that they would see the love of Christ uh, active in our lives, and to share it in words, that they would hear the good news that you love them enough to have sent your son to die for their sins and rise from the dead. Lord, just very specifically, we pray that through this church, through this community of your family, Lord. We pray that you would use Grace Bible Church to save thousands of people in this world. Thousands of people by meeting their practical needs and then introducing them to Jesus Christ. We pray that thousands would come to know him and have eternal life. Thank you, God, for saving us. Thank you for for calling us to join you in this mission of reaching the world for Jesus Christ. We pray that you would help us to be faithful. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.